Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the train stop. My name is Anish Ramaswamy, and alongside me, a man I miss very much. I haven't played basketball with him in a long time. I haven't seen him in a long time outside of this Skype wire. Steve Landry. Hi, Steve. Wow, it is. Feels good to be back. I miss you. I like. I'm ready for another season of Purdue basketball. I'm ready for for more train stops, and hopefully this uh, this podcast goes well, so we can keep this going as a continual thing. That's right. I think we'll be a little more regular with it um, this year than last year. Over the summer, we got such good response, and we're um, we really appreciate that. Thank you to everybody. We have a lot of fun on our end doing it as well. But hey, so how have you been? Non basketball wise, how have you been? You're still in God's country, is that right? Yeah, well, finishing the last year at Purdue, things are go. going well. Um, you know, other than football, which has been dismal, at least to say. Yep. But, you know, whatever. Rebuilding process. I, I love Coach Hazel. I love the mindset he's installed in our program, but we just aren't very good at all, and neither are our players. <laughs> no, I, we're not very guys good. Guys who I thought thrived under Danny Hope's season, or system are just kind of mediocre right now. But we also have a, you know, Painful schedule. Uh, I, th- I think I heard somewhere it was the third hardest in Purdue history, which That's I believe that. Yeah. I don't know. I, d- I don't have evidence to back that up, but the way <laughs> – by the numbers from this season, it looks like it's – I believe that. I don't know. It's not um, – it hasn't been great, but, I, you know, you like the things you hear coming out of the program. You like the way that Coach Hazel kind of carries himself, so I guess that's good. You know, yeah. on the, on I the, like the discipline system he has and the way he talks to the media, which Hope was – not good at uh, no and i mean you know we've had a couple indiscretions here and there with uh yeah who was it that stole it we had bj canal for whatever his name was yeah um and someone and I else forget the, i forget the other guy Jesus. it doesn't really matter yeah it's like come they're, on guys they're but, knuckleheads yeah you kind of hope that 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 kind of gets weeded out as as uh hazel installs his own guys you know what i mean yeah, and I mean we have a pretty solid recruiting class in coming or coming in next year. That's right. With, uh, Gellin, how do you say his name? Gellin Robinson. Yeah, I don't know. Glenn Robinson's other kid, whose name yeah. like looks like Glenn. It's really absurd. But it's, I don't know. It, it, I, I think well, I think Purdue we'll legacy good. coming in, great athlete. I'll I'll take him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> big dog son. I th- I'll <laughs> take any. I'll take any big dog sons. I don't care. Um, but. A big, a big summer in bas- in uh, Purdue basketball. I think Coach Painter called it one of the more enjoyable summers he can remember uh, or of recent memory, uh, probably dating back to, you know, the Hummel, like, more type days. I think you really appreciated some of the new blood that came back in. But I don't know. What do you think? What you your, your ear's been kind of on the road on campus. What do you think? What's, what's the mood been like for the people that have been, that have been close to the, to the program? Um. I've heard really nothing but good things so far. I actually, uh, I was able to have a, or I had a summer class with Eric Peck, and uh, I was able to get to know him a little bit, and he's a really good guy, carries himself well off the court, and I I actually, we got to know each other not very well, but you know, enough to where I felt comfortable asking him questions about the team, and I just kind of asked him, well, what was the transition from Cornell to Purdue like, and he, or what was it like for him, and he just shook his head and he's like, oh man, it's it's rough right now. Painter had him running uh, three-day practices where they'd wake up early before their summer classes and go condition and then they'd come back in the afternoon and do weights and then after that it was strictly basketball activities. So they worked hard this summer, I know that, but I think that was great because you know the more you put a group of guys together and the more time they spend around each other, the, around each other, the more chemistry they're going to build and you know get to know each other better. 
which I think is an awesome idea. And just from seeing them around the campus, you know, I've seen Tyrone and Hammonds with each other a lot. Uh, I've seen Bryson and uh, uh, Ray D together quite a bit. Uh, you know, you usually see a couple guys together, and the buzz around campus is everyone is pretty darn excited for this year. And awesome. uh, paint crew is fired up. I, I actually, I got, this is crazy, you know, I joined the paint crew this year, and I got, you may not believe this, but I actually got a, a letter or an email directly from Matt Painter. Would you like me to read you some of it? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dear Steve, on behalf of the Purdue basketball team, I want to take this opportunity to invite you to our games this season. Because Matt Painter knows how he knows. Of course, he, knew, he knows My you very well. The energy and enthusiasm that you provide to our, our games creates an environment that is irreplaceable, naturally. We count on you to help make Mackey an intending arena for opponents to play in. The paint crew does a tremendous job, but needs your help to keep the energy high. Course. Note the inflection. Uh, jargon, yada yada. The paint crew is great. Nothing without you, etc., etc. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you at Friday, eight p or seven p.m. for the season opener against Northern Kentucky. Hail Purdue, Matt Painter. Look at that. I know. I, the athletic know, department doing things. Right. I mean, he was. You know, he also gave me uh, his contact information and said, "Let's grab a beer at Harry's." Naturally, so of course. Uh, <laughs> After this, I might go do that. But anyway, uh, the, buzz, <laughs> the buzz around campus is pretty great, and everyone's excited. So, I, I mean, Friday can't come soon enough. That's really great to hear. I think it's kind of a natural transition into um, the newcomers of the season. You know, we talked about Eric Peck, Sterling Carter, the two transfers. We already told you Eric Peck's from Cornell, Sterling Carter's from uh, Seattle. And it looks like um, those two, along with the senior leaders in uh, Travis Tacos, Carroll, and uh, Tyrone Johnson are going to be the captains. Four captains, two of them transfers. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that is. I uh, I don't know. When I heard uh, Peck was captain, it didn't really surprise me too much. But I, I guess Sterling Carter, people buzz about how great of a defender he is. And, uh, I mean, all the guys in the locker room really look up to those four uh, seniors that you just mentioned. Uh, they've been leading by example on and off the court. Very mature guys, which is great to hear from uh, Tyrone Johnson as well, that he's really matured and came along as a leader. Because, you know, we see glimpses of that, but other times he'd kind of defer, you know, to other dudes on the team. So That's it's, right. I'm really happy to see that he's, you know, coming to his own skin. I agree. Uh, Eric Peck, people have called him a, quote, silent killer, a really high IQ guy. Uh, Painter was pleased but not surprised by the fact that he was a, you know, an instant leader in the locker room, which is really cool to hear. Um, and, you know, coming from Cornell and Cathedral, you know, being a local kid, he um, he carries that, that that knowing the Big Ten. So he's not a complete, you know, stranger to the to the basketball right. culture in the Midwest. Sterling Carter, a little bit different. He's a West Coast kid. Um, he's a gunner. So he's probably going to be one of my favorites. Um Oh yeah, you know, I think he's got some potential as a backup or a third point guard. Um, you know, maybe a secondary ball handler when he's on the court with either, you know, Bryson Scott or or Ronnie Johnson. Um, and his quote, his his kind of telling quote from uh, from the off season. And remember, he's been in three schools over eight years, and he says, "I've never been a part of a team that's been this competitive ever." Yeah, I, I wrote an article on Sterling Carter earlier today, 
Uh, it'll it'll be yesterday by the time this goes up. Sure. But uh, he had some impressive games where he would just go off. You know, and he never since he bounced around all over the place and had injuries and you know transfers whatever. He never really got substantial minutes. But I I can't remember the exact times and all the statistics off the top of my head. But I remember he had a really great game against Pepperdine where he played somewhere between 12 to 16 minutes and scored 28 points on wow. like seven of eight shooting. So when the dude gets hot, he can hit his, he can hit his shots. That's pretty but awesome. I mean, he's also, he said that his best trait is his defense, which is awesome. And we know that Panner is going to eat that up as well. That's right. I agree. I think there was another article um, maybe on Boiler Sports Report where uh, it was talking about Eric Peck kind of falling in love with defense and the way that it's played at Purdue, which is kind of cool to hear. Yeah. Let's move to to the freshman. I think the freshman that Coach Painter is highest on, uh, based on his comments over the summer, is Kendall Stevens, the son of the one of the original big three, uh, Everett Stevens, another gunner. Um, you know, he was kind of behind because of an ankle injury late his senior year, I think, um, you know, and over the summer, he worked hard to get back and Painter said, quote, his skill set puts him above the others in terms of, you know, the people off the bench fighting for a starting spot, which is really cool. And one of the things that I noticed more particularly in the second, uh, preseason game was his off ball motion and the, the way he uses, um, either screens or just natural motion of Painter's offense to get open. It's so beautiful. Oh my God. I'm going to be doing a couple captures. I'm going to be doing a couple videos of, um, you know, of just his off the ball motion. It's really awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I never got to see any of the exhibition games, but I caught the scrimmage and the way he came off screens. He's a, I mean, he's a great cutter too. Mm-hmm. He, he cut to the basket hard a couple times on a good, a couple of good screens. Uh, overall, just a really smart player, but that jump shot is beautiful. That's right. I think I'm he being, has a, He's got a shot, I think, to push um, Ray Davis either and not out of the starting lineup, but either in a in a uh, rotation, you know, based on the matchups that they have or something like that. I think he's got a shot to be the sixth man. Oh yeah, well, especially with Ray Davis, from what I could see in the, like I said, I never caught the exhibition games, but in the uh, scrimmage, he 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 rebound. I mean, Ray Day is a great rebounder and a great defender, especially for his size. He can you know guard the two through the four, depending on how big the four is. I mean, Painter played him at the four sometimes last year, which I hope he does not do very often anymore because I feel like that ruined DJ Bird. But anyway, <laughs> um, he still doesn't have that great of a jump shot. I mean, he's, but he's always been a slasher and driver to the basket. But I definitely agree with what you said, that Kendall put a little pressure on Ray D's uh, minutes, especially if he gets to a hot start. It's good. I mean, it, especially when the – when the attitudes are there, I think competition for playing time is always great. When everybody buys into the system and when everyone's okay with it, competition um, you know, can only help. Uh, we can move on to Bryson Scott, um, probably our backup point guard, a primary backup point guard. Um, you know, Painter absolutely loves him. He loves the effort that he puts in, the emotion that he plays with, um, you know, the intensity that he has. And he actually has made more statements about Bryson Scott pushing um, Ronnie Johnson for some starter no, starters minutes and the fact that, you know, Bryson's got to be ready to sacrifice for the team and whatever, you know, right. all that coach speak. All that coach stuff. Um, right. No, but uh, Bryson started in one of the exhibition games. And I, I don't know. I mean, that guy is fearless. I, Golden Black tweeted during the uh, scrimmage that, 
if Bryson Scott had to, or if the Statue of Liberty was standing in the paint, Bryson Scott would drive at it head first. He does not <laughs> care who's in the lane. He's going straight at the basket. I mean, he had some, I mean, he had some good looking drives, some good looking shots in that game, but he also made some very, very freshman mistakes, which yeah. is going to happen, and especially with a guy as aggressive as Bryson, but he is big. He is a big point guard, <laughs> and I'm not talking height. You know, he's 6'2", which is, I guess that's decent in college ball. A little above average, maybe, but he is thick. That's right. He's a strong guy, which I think is great because driving to the bas- basket, you know, people bounce off him. Where Ronnie relied on—I mean, they're they're two pretty different players when you think about it. Ronnie relies on his speed mostly, where Bryson is kind of a combination of speed and strength. No, I t- I totally agree. I think more than one person has made, um, you know, even though I, I'm not the biggest fan of past comparisons, more than one person has made uh the chris kramer comparisons i think actually even coach painter um you know made the the chris kramer comparisons just based on bryson's hustle and the emotion that he brings to the game now i don't think he's as elite as a a, of a defender of a perimeter defender as um kramer was but you can only hope that he brings you know the kind of emotion and heart that it takes yeah i think the biggest problem with that not to say that i i guarantee i i believe that bryson really does care about the team a lot and wants to win but you could tell by the way he played and acted and carried himself in high school based on social media and interviews that he has a tendency to want to get his own and will want to do things like set school records, score the most points, you know, be the number one option, which is fine. That's just being competitive. But there is a time where you know you got to defer to other people on the team who are better than you and play for the team. But I feel that with Matt Painter as the head coach and the way he disciplines and runs the show, that might be a problem that we see maybe in the first couple games or maybe Painter's already addressed it and we won't see it, you know, from out the season with how, like I said, he handles those guys on the team. And he, I mean, Painter does a great job of making sure that everyone meshes and building team chemistry. You know, I... I, th- I think I would have worried more, um, you know, if Bryson came in last year, you know, into the yeah. environment that, that was kind of prevalent last year and even the year before, unfortunately, um, you know, even with Robbie and and, and uh, Ryan Smith and Lewis Jackson in there. But, you know, with the crew that's there now and with the amount of people that are legitimately buying into the system, I, th- I think um, – you know, I, th- I think it'll be okay, and I think it'll be, you know, he can go, you know, either towards the towards you know buying into the system and being Painter's you know greatest asset on the team as being a really outspoken guy who's all for Painter in the Kramer mode, or you know he can go the other way. But I, you know, I, I think it's a good environment. I'm I I'm do too. There's too a lot concerned. of lot of lot of great guys on that team to help right. stick in the right direction. That's right. Next freshman up is Basil Smotherman. A hyper athletic for. I'm. This is this is probably the freshman I'm most excited for, just because of his. I haven't seen a Purdue basketball player this athletic since Juwan. Yeah. Which I guess really isn't long ago, but it feels like forever. <laughs> and he is freakishly athlete, athletic. Uh, he he's a more skilled Lawson. I mean, I think Lawson was just as athletic, but I, I think Smotherman brings more skill more skills to the table. Um, yeah, you know, Smotherman I think he, can step. Smotherman can step out and shoot the three. He can drive to the basket. He was a pretty good passer as well. So that's right. I. I mean, during the scrimmage, he had that jam over Sterling Carter where he took off from the free throw <laughs> line and just Tom just slammed it on top of Carter. That was awesome. I think there was um there was a play that they ran in the second scrimmage, excuse me, against Wayne State, 
and you know it, it was clearly a play that was it, that was meant for uh, AJ Hammonds. It was right under the ba- baseline, under the basket inbounds play, where the the big just comes in for an alley oop, and Smotherman almost jumped too high for the alley oop and couldn't handle it. But you could tell that with two really huge and really dominant post players is a play that we're I think we're going to run a a nice out of bounds under the basket play that we're going to run you know a lot and relying on Basil Smotherman to be kind of that catalyst off the bench is you know I I think a really cool thing to have uh, in in our back pocket and especially going forward yeah I definitely agree and I mean he's going to be a handful on defense too I mean he's going to give a lot of guys trouble I'm excited to see him progress throughout the season and then guard guys like Will Sheehy and, you know, or the combo guard forwards, kind of like what he is because, you know, he's long, he's athletic, uh, and he's a pretty smart ball player too. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, I would say that his offensive skills are still pretty raw, but that's generally how it is with a lot of guys like him that come into Painter's system. I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I hope he, he becomes a versatile player. I know that I've heard, um, I think Je- uh, Jeff Washburn ran a column saying that, or mentioning that he was being mentored by Eric Peck and they've been, um, you know, developing a really close relationship over the summer. And that is exactly what I want to hear. I'm sure you know how I feel towards that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. I sent you a video, I think, of Eric Peck, um, you know, from the Dunking. last scrimmage. Yeah, it was a nice little pump fake on the perimeter. Got his defender in the air, and then just took that quick first step and in for a nice slam. It was awesome. He, yeah, I was, I was impressed with how high he jumped. I mean, the dude, he looks athletic. And I, you know what? I didn't think he looks that. I didn't think he was that fast. I didn't think he had a quick first step like that. And it's it's very dece- very deceptive. And uh, you know, I'm a fan of it. Uh, last newcomer that we have really is Jay Simpson. Uh, even though he's not really a newcomer, we haven't seen too much of him. And no. so, first of all, background: he's a very very skilled post player his footwork is incredible for you know for a very young player uh he's huge he's unbelievably strong but people have such high expectations for him and we haven't seen him go up against legitimate competition yet and you know i'm i'm kind of concerned with his athleticism with his conditioning um you know, I I don't know if he buys in or not. I I you know that's not to say he does that. I just don't know. He is the guy that we're building our our front court around. Because if you look for the next couple of years, he's the only he's going to be the only staple. Travis Carroll's going. I assume AJ Hammonds is going at the end of this year and next year. And we don't really have another big body coming in. Uh, so our front court's going to be Jay Simpson and everybody else. So um, he's he's pretty important whether he knows it or not. Right, and Painter said uh, multiple times that uh, coming in that uh, recruiting class coming in, Jay Simpson was the most talented player in that class, even though he may have not gotten the spotlight because he had asthma and you know he had a broken foot or injured foot. Watching him, or not the exhibition, the scrimmage, he looked pretty good. Uh, watching him, I remember he came in during uh, the Purdue's opener against Bucknell and. He played for only a full minutes, but was extremely active on the glass. And I think he got like four points and four rebounds in maybe five or six minutes. And then just watching him in high school, too. He can step out and hit the three-point shot. Yeah, when Simpson was posting up against Hammonds in the uh, scrimmage, he had a really good turnaround uh, pump fake, and then he'd drive by him. 
or he'd post him up for a little bit and get that uh, spin, drop step, drive by. And he's really good at ball handling, even though it's, you know, only a few feet away from the basket. But he actually has a very strong dribble, and I was very impressed with that. So I'm excited to see what Hammonds can do against stronger talent. I mean, I mean, Hammonds is a very talented player, and probably the biggest guy he will go up against all year. And he's going against him every single day at practice, which is awesome. Having those two battle in practice, if they both go at 110%, they're going to make each other so much better. But it'll be fun to watch them against the big guys of the Big Ten. Yeah, I think so. You know, I don't know. I I, I think um, I'm I have lower expectations for Jay Simpson, but I hope that I hope that he, um, you know, he turns into what everybody else says. I don't think that he'll be starting by the end of the year. And I think though, you know, even though everybody else seems to think that he'll be starting over Eric Peck. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think Eric Peck remains the kind of, uh, you know, the, the cornerstone in the front court yeah. because I don't know. You don't know what A.J. Hammonds is going to bring um, every night. We'll go into that right now, actually. Yeah. So we talked a little bit ab- about the peripheral players, you know, your Travis Carroll's, your Ray Davis's, our man crush, Ray Davis. Um, but really, we have three players that we are hinging this season on. It's going to be A.J. Hammonds, Tyrone Johnson, and Ronnie Johnson. And we'll kind of go through those one at a time a little bit. Uh, we'll start with the biggest key. And, you know, in um, Mark Titus of Grantland's and Ohio State's bench, his preview of the Big Ten, he called A.J. Hammonds the most frustrating player in the Big Ten. And I think I agree with him as a Purdue fan. I think all of Purdue fans agree with him. Whenever A.J. Hammonds is keyed in, he's going to be the best player on the court. It's not even going to be a question. No matter oh, what, absolutely. Yeah, you know, no matter what uh, competition he's going to go against, he can stand up against it. He's, he uh, went to that uh, USA, Team USA uh, you know, scrimmage and tryouts over the summer. Even though he left early for a family emergency, he really made an impression with national coaches. Coach Painter, over the summer, this was before the suspension, uh, told him that he needed to grow up. He needed to improve his motivation, his consistency, but he can be one of the best big men in the country, not just the Big Ten, if he prepares. And that's kind of a, a statement that's that's repeated no matter who you talk to, um, whether it's draft scouts or college basketball analysts. It's just he's got to be keyed in. And even though he's slimmed down, he looks a lot more mobile. You know, it, it's it's again, it's all about that work ethic and whether you you bring it. No matter who's going to go against you, there's no point if you don't have a player that's over six ten on you. You need to be grabbing ten rebounds. You know what I mean? Right, and you need to be blocking every shot that comes in your way. You need to be, you know, Hammonds doesn't need really crafty, nifty, beautiful post game. I mean, he's not that kind of player. Just he's big. He needs to get deep position in the basket and just take that one dribble drop step to the you know an easy land or just turn around hook you know there doesn't need to be a million pump fakes or anything like that just because of how big he and strong he is and needs to be setting mean screens and like you said get those you know nine to twelve rebounds a night because you're huge there's no reason why you shouldn't he needs to be more aggressive and he is not shown i mean the last time i can think of hammond's being extremely aggressive is when uh we played indiana at Purdue, and he had like 30-some-odd points against Cody Zeller, but he still only had maybe five or six rebounds. You know, and, and all those all those points were really almost, gar- not garbage time, but they were they were a little inflated because we were so right. much, you know, so behind and we weren't, weren't in the game at all. I think that was really the only game all season where he was actually, uh, like, cued in. Right, which is, you know, not really when we needed him to be. 
Well, I mean, it's Titus is very right, and I know that a lot of people around Purdue feel this way, and so do we, that he just can be so miserable to watch. And I was not impressed with him at all during the scrimmage. He just walked up and down the court. I mean, I felt like I was watching the same Hammonds that I watched play at Northwestern at Northwestern when he didn't do a single thing. So, I mean, hopefully this one-game suspension is, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back, and he just gets in there and actually fights for the playing time and fights for the, uh, you know, like he is a starter. But I guess only, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, again, he was suspended for three games. He was suspended for both preseason games and will be suspended for this Friday's game. Um, you know, it was a violation of team rules and conduct not representative of the school or the athletic department. And Coach Painter, a few quotes from him. Maturity questions are for him, not me, says Coach Painter about uh, Hammonds. He says, quote, he looks like an NBA player, but that's a whole process. First, let's take care of the, of, um, the NCAA tournament. Let's compete for the Big Ten title before we go talking about the NBA. Um, he also said, and this a little cryptically, quote, let's go to class today. Let's meet with our tutors. Let's treat others with respect. And the suspension let his teammates down. If you have an ounce of pride, you're going to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So I think, um, you know, Coach Painter is using a little bit of tough love. And, you know, the with the promise that he shows, it's just so, you know, it's so easy to see what he could become. I mean, if you look at these numbers, he's really mobile. He's very long. He's so effective in the deep post. He's 68, he's shooting 68% in the deep post, which is, you know, NBA, you know, elite NBA big man levels of finishing near there. Um, you know, he's... he's very good blocking shots, but he's not necessarily a great defender. You know what I mean? Just because you block right, shots yeah. doesn't mean you're a good defender. You have you to look at size. You should be blocking shots. Exactly. I mean, you're looking at altering shots, altering every shot. You're looking at you know keeping his head on a swivel. Getting and guys to travel in the post is a really. I mean, Juwan Johnson, uh, you know, was tall, but he was not big by any means. Like the dude, probably ten pounds, ten or twenty pounds more than me, and had almost a foot on me but what he was so good at was getting guys to travel in the post or getting them in a really awkward position that forces them to take a dumb shot or has you know a guard come down to double team them and force them into a three seconds in the paint or you know some sort of turnover so if Hammonds can get that mentality in him where not just I'm going to block your shot but I'm going to steal this I'm going to force you to make a really stupid decision that is what makes big men great defenders not just blocking shots you know, I, I totally agree with that. He could be the best player in the Big Ten if he's engaged. I think he could he could easily be the Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, you know, over Aaron Craft, oh, over certainly. over um, Gary Harris, just because he's so big, he's and he can be so dominant. Um, you know, just gotta be cued in on the defensive side. You have to be. You know, you have to be in your element in the offensive side and just be present at every game. You know what I mean? Um, So I think we'll move on to, um, I think the team leader, the unquestioned team leader, Tyrone Johnson, everybody's spoken so highly of Tyrone that it's so refreshing to see because after, you know, last year we didn't really have a leader. I think uh, Coach Painter said some of your best leaders have been freshmen and some of our worst leaders have been seniors in the past. And that's a really telling quote about the, the state of the, the culture of uh, the team in the last couple of years. But um, I think it was Sterling Carter that said he has a voice that carries a mile away. And Ray Davis said that he means so much to the team that he can't express it. Um, it's really cool to hear people talk about Tyrone like that. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, Painter always said that when Tyrone came into uh, came to Purdue, he said it would be a crying shame if he never made Big Ten Player of the Year. You know, first team All Big Ten, and you know we've seen so many great games from Tyrone. For instance, uh, Robbie's last year when Tyrone just went nuts mm-hmm. at Michigan and let us upset them. He had some great games last year. He showed his ability to drive the basket. His three point shot looks uh, much improved from what I could tell in the scrimmage. Uh, you know, I, his free throws are still questionable right now for me yeah. and that's something that he has to do i mean it, tyrone has to be a better free throw shooter for us going down the stretch that's but, i mean just yeah. it you know but it's not just the things on the court like you're mentioning the things off the court where he's you know finally stepped in and feels comfortable in his own skin as a leader and knowing that it's his locker room now i mean this is i, I think it's fair to say that this is tyrone's team and there's no one else there to question him you know the guys look up and respect him he's proven time and time again that his defense and his offense have you know carried the team multiple occasions, and he's gone up against the best and the best with guys in the Big Ten and outside of the conference. So I'm extremely excited to see I Tyrone th- this year. I could I totally agree. I mean, you know, so we'll start on the offensive end. He's got to improve his perimeter motion and shooting. Um, you know, his efficient field goal percentage, meaning that you know his his field goal percentage and his free throw percentage has to improve. Last year, I think he only shot somewhere in the 30s. Uh, you know, the high. 30s maybe four. I don't know I think he was he was in the 40s so it was okay but you know his his jumpers have to improve he's really good at getting to the basket um you know but then again he's you know off of the pick and rolls there's no real need to help aggressively on him because you know his shot isn't necessarily the most consistent I think that's where we see the most um you know improvement he's going to be I think he's going to be a very dangerous shooter um from the perimeter uh, I don't want to see him take mid-range shots. That shouldn't be in his game. He should be either distance or he can get to the rim in every play whenever he wants to. Those are the two places he should be. Right. The only mid-range shot he should take is that running floater he has. Which yeah, is that's right. Beautiful. The, the Mark Jackson floater, which he has <laughs> almost perfected. It looks great. <laughs> I love it. That's an awesome part of his game. The best part, I think it's not even a question, the best part of Tyrone's game is his defense. It's, oh, absolutely! Oh my God, his defense is, is I mean, so beautiful. He's such a big guard. He is a big. Guard. He's like six foot three, six foot four, two hundred plus pounds. And when you look at him, I, I remember when Tyrone first came in. I always thought, man, this guy's kind of pudgy. But getting to see him up close and personal, he's he's strong. He's got big arms, a big chest. He gets in people's faces. He's smart. He's so smart. He yep. forces you to do dumb things. He forces you to get the ball hands quickly. Uh, I'm very excited to see what he's going to do on defense this year. I totally Especially, agree. you know, he's actually the Big Ten's going to force people to play. I'm not sure I really enjoy this rule, but it will help against guys like Aaron Kraft and not do the stupid hand check. But, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be interesting. Kind of on that, it'll be interesting to see how that affects Purdue going forward. But I Aaron Kraft can suck it and they can start <laughs> calling him for the fouls that he has deserved for the past three years. I don't know, but we've been as guilty. I mean, Coach Painter is no, really happy. Have. No, can- Painter is pissed. <laughs> Painter is really pissed, and he's also pissed about the the block charge. They're calling a lot less charges. Um, you know, they're really kind of getting on that charge circle, like pseudo charge circle thing. Um, so, right? Yeah, this isn't the NBA. This, I think that's pretty stupid. Yeah, 
That's neither uh, here nor there. Back to Tyrone's defense. <laughs> um, you know, if you, speaking to uh, his strength, if you remember last year, he shut down my non-Purdue Big Ten man crush, Brandon Paul, um, you know, of Illinois. Brandon Paul, you know, could, went off, I think, um, a couple years ago on Purdue for like 30-some or four, almost 40 points. It was incredible. The next time they played, Coach Painter tailored his system to entirely shut him down, and that was completely based on um, everybody helping and Tyrone using his strength to just completely overpower Brandon Paul. Um, Tyrone's a very physical and strong perimeter defender, and I think, you know, I don't think he'll be a better defender than Aaron Kraft is, but I think he has a real chance to be a better, you know, two-way player. He's a, you know, a good off the ball um, mover. He's good movement off the ball. He can handle the ball um, if that if need be. He can create his own shot, um, and you know, he can shut down your best defender on, or your best offensive weapon on the other side. So I think, um, you know, I, I think he has a, the potential to be the Big Ten's best two-way player and first-team All-Big Ten or second-team All-Big Ten. Tyrone has proven time and time again against going up with guys like Aaron Kraft, Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway, that he can hang with the best of the best. So, I mean, this year, you know, I think the Big Ten is still, I, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I still think the Big Ten will still be the best conference in the nation. But there's a lot of talent that left last year from graduating, the NBA, what have you. So Tyrone definitely, I think the, uh, the Hunger Games, the odds are in his favor when it comes to taking the spotlight for the Big Ten as one of the better defenders. You like that? You, you're I did. I, I enjoyed that. that one. I enjoyed that one. I'm going with my <laughs> little cousin to see the new Hunger Games movie. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud to say that. It's, it was good. I was, <laughs> um, But I think... I was surprised after reading everything this summer at how comfortable I am with Tyrone being the, the real leader, the unquestioned locker room leader of this team. It's really cool to see, and uh, it's great to have that one go-to guy, along with actually Travis Carroll, who's really stepped up into a leadership role uh, to, you know, to lead the team. I think that's what was really missing last year, the people who you answer to in the locker room, and I think this year it's Tyrone Johnson, it's Eric Peck, and it's also Travis Carroll, which is awesome. It's really great. Well, I was going to say, I think it's awesome that, you know, Travis is, I think this may be the first year that Travis is truly comfortable in his own skin. Oh, yeah. You know, he, people recognize him now that he's just going to be that hustle, great grind, rebound, get the garbage buckets, you know, the glorified pickup player that nobody really respects but does so much on the team. But when he makes that one easy, like that one little screw up, he's just so easy to, you know, mm-hmm. throw the hammer at. But, I mean, he's going to be great to challenge you know, all of our guys in practice. And like you said, just be that vocal leader that we desperately need, which is awesome. I agree. I, I, you know, he, he, Travis Carroll did an interview, I think with the, the boiler sports report online, where he was talking about the fact that this is his last year playing basketball, which is weird because the last 15 years of his life have been all about basketball. So he's not about to take this for granted, even though he's going to be, you know, off the bench player, he might be, you know, the fourth big that comes off the bench. Um, but you know, he's not going to take it for granted. He's going to be that guy hustling, uh, during practice. It's really cool to, to, which is exactly, yeah. I mean, that is the mindset you need in his situation. I, I really, you know, I will admit there, I have, I've given Travis Carroll a lot of crap throughout my time at Purdue, but (laughs) overall, I mean, we need, every team needs a Travis Carroll or a guy that's going to work as hard as him. Cause with that mentality, you know, you're setting such a great example in that locker room. So I, I hope Travis just, you know, busts his ass every single, and he will every single chance he gets when he sets foot on that court. 
I agree. He's going to be that coach on the floor, um, which is a which is a great position for him. The last player, I think, uh, though, that um, last player of the big three that I guess our season really hinges on is Ronnie Johnson, going to be our primary ball handler, and every offensive possession is going to run through Ronnie Johnson. I think Coach Painter completely gave the reins to him last year, which I don't think we've seen uh, him do that with a freshman in years. I can't even remember the last time he handed off the offense to you know a true freshman which no. just goes to show you how skilled Ronnie is just in terms of smarts, basketball IQ, the way he handles himself. It's great. He's a very mellow guy, which you need to be at a point guard position. You know, he doesn't really beat himself up. He kind of shrugs it off, learns from his mistakes. What I really like about the acquisition of Bryson Scott too, and I saw this on, uh, they're talking about on Golden Black, is whenever Ronnie Johnson screwed up, there was really no one to replace him. You know, sure, Tyrone could be the primary ball handler for a little bit or bring in, uh, Anthony Johnson, but you know he wasn't much better option. So Painter would be forced to uh, leave Ronnie Johnson in, and he'd continue to make these mistakes. Whereas now he can pull Ronnie out if he makes a mistake and put in Bryson and just have this one-on-one coaching uh, moment that they missed out on so much last year. Because you know you obviously can't pull your point guard in a tight game and tell him you know you did this wrong. Go back out there in a couple minutes and do it right. So I think that's going to really benefit Ronnie Johnson having Bryson there. But yeah, I I think I think we relied on Ronnie a little bit too much for scoring last year, and now with all these new guys coming in and guys stepping up in new roles, I think he's going to take a step back in scoring. I think the ten points a game for him would be perfect if he continue that for next year. But his biggest thing is shot selection, and he mm-hmm. took some really boneheaded shots. And I think at this point, Ronnie just needs to step back and say, okay, I should not take a three unless I am just so wide open because he shot a whopping 16% from three. <laughs> Granted, he only took th- he took 36 threes all season long, but only hit six of them. And I remember there'd be times where he'd get a little gun happy, you know, make some dumb shots from behind the arc. But, I, you know, Ronnie is not that much of a shooter. He's a driver and a floater guy. He's, got, he's actually, I guess he's got a mediocre mid-range jump shot. He's got an okay mid-range jump shot. Apparently, um, you know that's been improved. The mid-range uh, pull-up as, as well as free throw shooting has been improved over the summer. He th- he shot overall thirty-eight percent last year from the field, which really has to improve. Um, you know the jump shots. You can you can out co- your coach out some shot selection woes, uh, which were actually really evident during the first scrimmage or during the first uh, preseason game against Uindy. Everybody, it was just such a sloppy game. Everybody's shot selection was so terrible in that game, and Ron he kind of led the charge there with an improved pull-up game and getting to the basket if he can he can get to the basket he's faster than everybody else and he's a better ball handler he's a good enough ball handler that he's not going to turn it over when he once he gets there he's got to finish once he gets to the basket there were a couple of plays in the in the last scrimmage game against Wayne State where he um or the last preseason game excuse me against Wayne State where he would get to the basket in a in a fast break situation and wouldn't finish he wouldn't finish the layup he wouldn't draw mm-hmm. the foul he just missed the shot and and you know be as good of a tur- as good as a turnover so it's that part's a little frustrating he also um is prone to a few defensive lapses. I think he assumes that Tyrone's going to be there um, to help, or you know, uh, AJ Hammond's going to be there inside to help on his man anytime he kind of lets him go by. But you know, defense is another is another place to to look 
for it for him and you know just adding that arsenal of a mid-range some kind of a mid-range shot where you can be if you're the primary ball handler you can be a little pose a little bit of a threat off the pick and roll and you know just toning it down and playing it safe on defense you know, I, I think I trust him with the ball, and it's it's, it's great to ha- have him lead for the next couple of years, lead the offensive system, you know, after saying all of this, criticizing him. No, I, I think, well, I mean, as a freshman, he finished third in the Big Ten with assists, which, yeah, is, which is awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, he's. I think this year he's gonna, the assists are going to definitely go up with more guys around him. And, uh, you know, he's got that year under his belt of decision-making, you know, knowing the competition he's going to go at at a weekly basis. And I think he has a. Lo- I think he'll have a lot more trust in his team and a lot more understanding of Painter's system. Um, I do. I, I got to criticize him one more time, and that's just on his free throw percentage. Yeah, because oh as the primary ball handler, on the last few minutes of a court, if we get to a fouling, uh, a fouling fight, he's got to hit those free throws. But with that being said, too, if it comes down to that, you know, maybe we got guys like we can have go bigger with Tyrone playing a point guard role or Bryson Scott or, you know, whomever. But I think, I think uh, Ronnie is going to have a huge jump this year with turnovers going down and assists going up. I mean, already at, you know, kind of a, nah, his assist ratio is four and 4.1 to 2.6, which isn't terrible for a you freshman. Can, you can, yeah, exactly. You can chalk a lot of that up to freshman mistakes, which hopefully will right. be coached out. And just not a very good team surrounded by, or surrounded around him. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think I like your prediction. I, I hope that he, he takes another step and kind of turns the corner and becomes, um, you know, even more solidified as the point guard of the future, I mean, even though he is. There's no real um, there's no real threat to him there. But, you know, uh, maybe Bryson Scott will push him being behind him. It'll be great having another playmaker available. And, you know, Coach Painter is the next point guard. And having that relationship, just like uh, Lewis Jackson had with Coach Painter, you know, that very unique point guard-point guard relationship, I think is, is extremely important. Um, you know, especially when, um, you know, especially when you have your coach's complete trust at the end of games. And speaking of this, Coach Painter, in late game situations, he was asked, who are you most comfortable with having the ball? And he says, I want it in one of the Johnson's hands. I want it down low with A.J. Hammonds, or I want it in the hands of Kendall Stevens if we're down, which is so cool. Like, Kendall Stevens hasn't seen a minute of playing time, and Coach Painter already has his green light. The guy can freaking shoot. That's, I mean, I, I mean, you know, if generally, you know, if you're a really good shooter, you're going to have a really good free throw because you just have that motion down. Mm-hmm. But it also goes a lot to, or says a lot about Steven's uh, uh, basketball IQ. Absolutely. I th- I agree. He's got, he's got, you know, very high basketball IQ. He's very sharp. He can make quick decisions. Um, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I like, I like our team this year. Um, you know, I, I like our team a lot. We'll touch on the uh, Big Ten at the end of this a little bit. Let's kind of get through um, just a few quick hits. We won't spend too much time on uh, recruiting. We'll focus on the positives here because we had a good amount of misses, um, you know, this summer when you talk about whether you're talking about Trevon Blewett or for some people who right. thought, you know, we'd get Trey Lyles or Jaquan Lyle or something like that. Now we had no chance. Uh, Tyler Ulis, who picked Kentucky, J.P. Makura, uh, who picked Xavier. We had a couple transfers or big men that didn't come in. But I think the most important thing, we landed Vince Edwards, who, where you know I, oh. I know I got an all-caps text from you the day that he committed. I, was, I haven't been that excited about a recruit, and I don't know. Maybe 
Maybe ever. I was very excited when we got Vince Edwards just because, you know, he's going to fill. I mean, the guy does it all. He's, I mean, he's in the ESPN top 100, I think 77 or something like that. But, you know, numbers all, only go so far. But the way he fits in the Painter's scheme is a two way player, a Perfect. big wing. You know, he's six foot seven, can play the three. I mean, not the, can play the two through the four. I'm very excited about Vince Edwards. I think Dakota Mattis is a good addition next to him as well. Another three-point threat that's going to stick around for a while. So put him next to Vince Edwards, or not Vince Edwards, uh, Kendall Stevens. Yeah, that's right. That's that's a deadly combo to have. That's great. And I think it, even more is that a lot of our problems last year on offense stemmed from the fact that we had no court spacing. There was no perimeter right. threat. So there was no reason to, you know, you could converge on the paint a little more. You could converge on A.J. Hammonds, and maybe that'll help him. Um, you know, with with some increased spacing, but yeah, Dakota uh, Mattis or Matias or wh- however I think it's Dakota Matias. Um, uh, I'm just saying Mattis. Yeah, sure. I don't know, honestly. I, I might, said I, I said uh, Raphael Davis for the longest time, too, <laughs> just because I. I I wanted it to be Raphael Davis just because the Ninja Turtle. The Ninja Turtle, he was my favorite Ninja Turtle too. Back to Vince Edwards, another uh, rare media uh, cross race comparison to Robbie Hummel, a more skilled Robbie Hummel coming out of high school. Um, he's just so versatile and so fits so well into Coach Painter's system. And the reason Vince Edwards came was actually because he had a relationship with Coach Shrewsbury. If you remember, two years ago, he almost yep. committed on Twitter. Um, and True was like, it's, let's pump the brakes. you got a little more time. Um, he's very close with Dakota Matias, who's from um, Ohio. They're both from Ohio. But the reason that he came, the reason that Vince Edwards came, was that he formed such a tight bond with Coach Painter. And that was the reason that he picked us over Michigan. I mean, it's, 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 it's the relationships that we built, which is really awesome. It's great to have a, a recruit of that caliber come in. Last recruit uh, in 2014 that we landed was Jaquil Taylor. It's kind of a, a lower, uh, lower radar recruit we got from Cambridge, Massachusetts, out where I'm living now. Uh, he, we actually found him while recruiting Alec Brennan, another recruit from, uh, the, from Massachusetts who committed to Princeton. Um, but we saw him. He's very long. He's very athletic. He's very raw. But, you know, a athletic freak. If you look at his Twitter page, you'll see he, a couple of days ago he retweeted a bunch of, um, you know, clips of him dunking and just being an athletic freak. It's, 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 it's great that we're getting someone this raw and we have coaches that have been known to develop bigs like this. Oh, I mean, he is a fun dunker for sure. <laughs> I love watching his dunks. Really, I mean, that's really all he can do right now is dunk, <laughs> shot block, put back, or get put back offensive rebounds. But, I mean, we've Painter and his coaching staff has shown in the past that they can really work with big men and help mm-hmm. them progress a lot. Um, <clears throat> both you know, skill set uh, physically. So I'm, you know, like you said, he's a low-end guy, not highly recruited, not highly ranked. You know, if anything, he'll just be an awesome bench player or a really good role guy. Mm-hmm. He just needs to fit somewhere. Um, he's actually the only big we have recruited uh, for you know, in 2014, um, he's the only big that we have coming in. And I think, you know, with, with Travis Carroll leaving, with Eric Peck leaving, with A.J. Hammonds probably leaving, um, it puts us pretty shallow up there, like I said before. So I think uh, getting just another body is a big deal. It's, it's, it's great to have. 
All right, we'll uh, we'll move now to the Big Ten. You have any notes? Do you have any favorite players? You have any predictions? You have uh, you have any t- you know your top three teams? Your surprising and disappointing teams? What do you think? My top three teams in the Big Ten this year are definitely Michigan State at number one. There's no question there. They're returning so much with really only losing or losing uh, Dick Punching, Derek Nix. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to say Michigan at number two, Ohio State at three. Just because, I mean, Thad Mott is a great coach, and they've got a lot of you know juniors and sophomores on that team who show they can play. But I'm, I don't know if they'll be that good the whole season. Uh, as far as my surprise. I think the surprise team will be Iowa. I think Iowa's going to make that big push this year. Um, I mean, they're always very competitive, and I think this might be a year where you know they go a little above and beyond what they have in the past. I think I agree with you on Iowa. They're so deep. They have a couple of very skilled players, one of them Jared Uthoff, who was actually a 20-year-old, very highly skilled, very highly recruited freshman. was a transfer, I think, from Wisconsin. Um, you know, is is getting to is starting to play now instead of sitting being redshirted. Yeah. Um, so the roster is incredibly for, uh, deep. For biggest disappointment, I'm going to put two on there. I'm I think IU is ranked right now, and I'm not entirely sure. And this is obviously my Purdue bias, but I don't think IU will be that great this year at all. I mean, I I think Yogi Ferrell is an awesome point guard. He could be potentially the best point guard in our uh, our conference. Yeah. The dude is just awesome. And then they got Will Sheehy, which is he's pretty much just a scorer. But outside of that, you know, they lost Watford, they lost Holes, they lost All Depot, and they lost Zeller. They got a bunch of guys who are unproven. Um, I'm not sold on IU being ranked for very long. I think they're going to still be a very good and competitive team, but I'm also not very sold on Tom Crean as a head coach and how everyone just thinks he's phenomenal. And I also think Wisconsin yeah. is going to disappoint a little bit. I mean, I think Wisconsin, like I said, is going to be a disappointment. That we always think they have these really good teams, and Bo Ryan is a good coach, and they just bring in they bring in guys that fit Bo Ryan's system, and that's fair. I understand that, but they play such ugly and miserable <laughs> basketball to watch. I mean, they defend well, but it is not fun to watch. And you know, when they're scoring in the fifties and low sixties, I oh, I don't know. It's they they. They always have the impressive wins, but they always have the really miserable losses as well. So I don't think Wisconsin is going to be anything to stand up about this year. I think, um, you know, my top three, I think I agree with you on the top two. Uh, Michigan State is just going to be so good. They've got, um, you know, some very highly skilled players. Their backcourt is the best in the Big Ten. I don't think it's even close with Keith Appling and Gary Harris. Oh, um, you know, no Gary doubt. Harris. Yeah, Gary Harris, the preseason Could Big Ten player. Could very well be the best in the country. Yeah, he's going to be up there for he's he's going to be a high lottery pick next year in the NBA draft, and this is going to be one of the deepest NBA drafts uh, in recent memory. Um, so Gary Harris, I think, is going to be really great. Adrian Payne up front, Tom Izzo coaching, Brandon Dawson, just athletic freak everywhere. I think you know, I, I think they've got they've got an amazing team. I, I don't think that um, they get dethroned this year. Michigan, even though they're losing Trey Burke, they have Glenn Robinson, they have Mitch McGarry. Though Mitch McGarry has an early season back problem or a back injury, um, but I think by the time Big Ten season comes around, he'll be he'll be fine. So I think I agree with you. It's the top two. You know who's you know who else Michigan has? Who's who, <laughs> who does Michigan have? Spike Albrecht. God. Who is that? Like, has he? Is he gonna do anything? Is he gonna be a player? Is he gonna do anything? He's gonna. Have you ever listened to uh, Motley Crue's "Rainmaker"? 
Or Mr. Rainmaker? Because <laughs> yeah. that's what Spike Albright is going to do all day. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, Michigan's going to be good. Where I'll disagree with you, though, is I think Ohio State's going to be the most disappointing team um, in the Big Ten. I agree with you with IU, but I don't know if um, the expectations are there as much. I don't think they're in the consensus top half of the Big Ten uh, because of their unproven guys. Even though Yogi Ferrell's great, and I think one of the freshmen, Noah Vonley, is going to be incredible very good a lot of people are predicting him as the best freshman in the country but i think you know if you look at ohio state's team they lost to sean thomas their only go-to weapon aaron craft is not an offensive threat and laquinton ross is gonna have to show that he can be a number one option and i don't think he can so i think ohio state actually takes a very brief dip i mean you know, Thad Mata is gonna is gonna pull it together by the time the Big Ten tournament comes, and you know, being the top half of the Big Ten. But I think uh, Wisconsin gets that third uh, third spot in the Big Ten. I'm never, you know what? I'm never doubting Bo Ryan. I'm never gonna doubt really? his ability to coach because, good lord, I've doubted it so much, and he has all he's done is finish in the top half of the Big Ten. So I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna question him. And I think I agree with you on Iowa being the the surprise team. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I can. I think Ohio State will be disappointing, and I can understand your argument towards Wisconsin. But I don't know. It's just. I, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll find see. out who's we'll right. See. There are times where I, there, there's times where I really enjoy Wisconsin or watching Wisconsin play ball, but I think it's like a twenty eighty percent me <laughs> me enjoying the twenty percent, and then just being like, "What the hell am I doing watching this eighty percent of the time?" Hey, all they Biggest, do is win. Uh, all they do is win. So, shut up. All right. Um, <laughs> Biggest non-Purdue uh, Big Ten player man crush. Biggest non-Purdue Big Ten man crush for me is Sam Decker. Sam Decker of Wisconsin. That kid can shoot. He's a stretch three. He can defend. He's the guy. He is a very Bo Ryan, Matt Painter player. Um, he's he's projected very highly on NBA boards. I love this kid. He's a little bit less of a gunner than I usually like uh, because last year we all know that Brandon Paul was my you guy. You love the guy with the trigger finger. I, I love my trigger happy guys, but I think Sam Decker is just one of those guys that you can't help but root for. And uh, I, th- I think he's going to be a real big key. I also love Gary Harris. I love his game. It's so smooth. And he's just so versatile. I think he takes a huge leap, and I think he's even better than some people are going to predict him. But that's a boring answer. I love Sam Decker. What do you think? That's fair. I, I like Decker a lot too, but I would not go that far to say he's my main crush. Uh, since you kind of did too, I guess I'll do too. My number one definitely goes to Adrian Payne. Yeah, I knew I it. Loved, I knew it. I, I, knew you, I knew you figured <laughs> out. I loved watching Adrian Payne stretch four. Maybe he can play the three this year. I mean, he showed towards the end of the season that he's got some handles. Obviously, not consistent enough, to, you know, to be going up against other small forwards. But he can stretch out, shoot the three pointer. He is so long and strong and aggressive in the post. And I, I really appreciate guys who just get down and get dirty in the paint. And I think, I think Adrian Payne is going to have a huge season this year. And then for my, I'm going to stay in the state of Michigan. And my second favorite player, or Big Ten crush, <laughs> is definitely Mitch McGarry. Yeah, I just love I, I love a guy who's just crashes the boards down low and just fights. And McGarry gets down and dirty, just a big old boy that's not afraid to throw his body around. And I, I appreciate that. And I think McGarry's going to have a pretty big season this year. I don't think Mitch McGarry will leave for the NBA this year. Oh my gosh, no! I think I completely disagree. I think McGarry's gone. Really? I think he's good as Do gone. You? Yeah, 
Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I won't be surprised if he leaves by any means, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he stayed. Uh, you know, here's the here's the problem is that Mitch McGarry and AJ Hammonds have the same problem in that they're both a year old for their class. So that's going to be a big deciding factor. That's in true. That I thing. forgot about that. So I, th- you know, AJ Hammonds, if you remember, he's a, you know, he's only a sophomore, but he's already 21, and that's a huge consideration for NBA coaches. And yeah, and Mitch McGarry's 21. He, Mitch McGarry turned 21 um, over the summer. So yeah, I th- oh yeah, he had that year in prep school. That's right before he came. So you know, I think they both have the the same problem in that they, even though they might not be ready for the NBA, they are both too old to to stay and wait another year, risking their you know their draft status. Absolutely. I mean that. Yeah. Maybe he will go this year. I don't know. I mean, I kind of take back what I said. <laughs> I, I have that knowledge, but <laughs> I, I mean, bottom line is I love Mitch McGarry. So I think there's that there's we both agree that there is that top echelon of the Big Ten. We have Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa, and then there's the middle, which nobody really knows what to do with. We have Indiana, Purdue, Illinois, and Minnesota, and no one really knows what's going to happen with any of those teams. They could finish in any order, and nobody would be too surprised. Uh, I think Minnesota's going to suck pretty hard. You think? <laughs> I, I, I don't think they're going to be very good. I actually think Penn State will have a surprisingly mediocre season. I'm said good. It'll be good on Penn State standards, but I don't think they're going to be too threatening to anyone, really. I have Penn State below Nebraska, so if they really? anything. Yeah, I have them. La- wow. I have them dead last. Even with Tim Frazier coming back. Even with Tim Frazier, you remember when they had um, Taylor Battle? Thank you. That's who I'm. Good lord. That's, I, okay. But um, no, I think I think Penn State will be just god awful. But yeah, there's that middle. I think um, at the very least, Purdue, Illinois, and Indiana. I don't think anybody knows what to expect from any of those. I think Illinois and Minnesota. I agree are on the are on the bottom half of that. Illinois has a lot of transfers and a lot of um, you know new guys coming in. Uh, Purdue has just the most inconsistent player in the country. You know, most inconsistent good player in the country. And Indiana, again, uh, lost a lot in, um, you know, Victor Oladipo, the number two pick, um, and de facto rookie of the year. And Cody Zeller, number four pick, surprising number four pick. And Remy Abel transferred, too. That's right. Remy Abel did, yeah. Which I was talking when that happened. I don't know. I thought that might have been a scholarship crunch. So another thing. Um, from Indiana. First of all, IU and Purdue only play once a year or once this year, which is bull. That's really yeah, stupid. That's malarkey. I it's don't get it. Re- it's really weak. Big Ten Player of the Year for me, I have Gary Harris. Freshman, I have uh, Noah Vonley. And Coach of the Year, I have Tom Izzo. I mean, it's, those are just three players you can't, or at least two, Harris and, and Izzo, you can't really go against. What do you think? Um, I'm going to say Big Ten Player of the Year is probably going to be. I was trying to think of a really smart ass dumb no. player to say, but yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm 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 definitely going with Gary Harris, um, or maybe Adrian Payne, but um, <laughs> Gary Harris will. I think it's like an eighty percent chance he gets Big Ten Player of the Year, unless yeah. you know on for some some unforeseen reason. Tom Izzo, yeah, I would say that. Freshman of the year, I'm not entirely sure. I, I'll be honest, I haven't given. Well, I, maybe Zach Irvin from Michigan. Sure, I think yeah. he's going to be pretty awesome. I think Mr. I Indiana think, basketball, way to stay to your state, you douche. I, I think that's a really good pick. Um, that's a really good pick that I think not a lot of people 
um, are are looking at. He he is a, a big time recruit from Indiana. Did get Mister oh, Basketball yeah. last year. He's a great. He's going to be a great player. Three four combo forward. He can do it all. That's right. And uh, last but not least, give me your best case um, and worst case scenario for Purdue, and we'll kind of we'll kind of end the podcast on that note. Best case scenario is we make the NCAA tournament as a middle seed. I'm saying the highest will be is a nine, wow. nine or ten. Okay. Why do you think that's too generous? No, I think I think that's actually the most likely. I think that's a that's a very likely situation. That's kind of yeah. where I have um, around then, uh, the nineteen twenty one. Yeah, uh, that's and then you know, I think we have potential get a twenty one season. You know, if we play, this is obviously best case. We maybe a twenty one season. Uh, it'll be tough though. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. Worst case scenario. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> It could be bad. Um, I agree. Worst case scenario is the guys don't show a lot of improvement from last year despite working hard. Hammond still kind of has his head up his ass, and you know we see a season similar to last one where I think we wouldn't go to the CBI. I think we'd go to the uh, CIT. Or the NIT. It would be CIT, CIT worst case scenario. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I, th- I think um – yeah, I think that's a that's a worst case scenario. I think it, the worst case is that AJ Hammonds doesn't buy in and just leaves at the end of the year. I think um, yeah. you know Tyrone Johnson just hits kind of a cold spot. Ronnie Johnson goes into a sophomore slump. Um, you know, and Eric Peck and Ray Davis, I think, are pretty much guarantees to be steady, but aren't good enough. They're role, they're they're very high level role players. You can't really count on them to carry a team to the next level so i think um you know we touched on the big three the johnson brothers and hammonds you know if they don't if they don't pull through um you know i think things could be pretty ugly for coach painter especially for that middle of the big 10 i see us maybe 19 pushing 19 wins um yeah a, a 10 to 12 seed in the tournament uh we win maybe upset in the first round um, but we're you know out in the second round. I think we top off second round of the NCAA tournament, um, which let's let's kind of recalibrate and consider. I think I would consider that a success, and any more, um, you know, a pretty wild success. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think any like you said. There's no coach on the hot seat. Uh, I mean, Tubby Smith was really the only one that was. By the way, where's he coaching? That. Is he coaching anywhere? Yes, uh, Tubby Smith has a job. Uh, he's <laughs> coaching for Texas Tech. Yeah. Who's Rick Patino's son coaching for? Oh, Rick Patino's coaching for uh, Northwestern, isn't he? No, That's Northwestern. Right. No, 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 no. Northwestern got um, uh, from Duke, the assistant from Duke, who's going to try to turn Northwestern into um, Duke of the Midwest. Um, so Chris Collins is the uh, Duke assistant coach who went to Northwestern. Um, and let's see for Minnesota. Richard Pitino. Boom. Richard Pitino. You are right. He is coaching at Minnesota. It's very weird. Very weird. I always really like Tubby. Tubby is the most underappreciated good coach in the country. He's got a national title. Yeah. He's got it. He won it at Kentucky. He's got a good one. I don't know. Speaking of that, Kentucky's going to be so good. I don't even want to talk about Kentucky. Oh, my God. Kentucky's going to be good. Uh, North Carolina's going to be good. Kansas is going to be incredible. Man. Duke's going to be good. It's going to be an incredible college basketball season. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad we're back on the on the train stop. I love this. I am too. I'm I'm very ready for Friday night's tip off. I'm also very ready for the uh, what is it? Kansas versus Michigan. Oh my god! Dave and Duke is whomever on Tuesday. 
That's right. We're we're gonna get we're gonna get a good slate of basketball in the next uh, two weeks. So it's gonna be pretty incredible. Uh, this should be posted, I think, Friday around lunch. Um, yep, yeah, around so, noon time. So just before um, the get, just in time for the game to get you primed for the first game of the season, and hopefully. Uh, we'll see you a little more frequently than last year. We appreciate all of you listeners. We appreciate um, everybody at Hammer and Rails. And thank you very much. We'll see you guys soon. Stay class. For the rub, we got a whole team. We're going big and we're picking up steam. You can't stop the train when we're coming down the lane. Throw the hammer to the ground when we visit your town. You know it's going down. When we're coming down the lane, throw the hammer to the ground when we visit your town. Boiler up! Boiler up!